0: One of the stories you tell in the book, which I also loved, is that there was this answering service. Well, I should let you tell oh. it because I think it, it's so interesting to think about that that's sort of how the world of actors operated.
1: Well, you have to realize back then, you know, in the, in the dark ages of the, the 60s and 70s, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have machines, uh, voicemail. We had something called an answering service. You know, if you tried to call somebody and they weren't home, the phone just rang and rang. I tried to call you, but you weren't home. I remember. Uh, So we, you know, especially actors, had the thing called a a service, um, answering service. And this one was called Hayes Registry. And, you know, they were all actors. We were all actors who were with Hayes Registry. So you would call in if you got home or you'd call in from remote outside. And you'd dial, excuse me, dial the number. (laughs) And you'd say, uh, Swoosie Kurtz, number 133. And they'd go, Nothing yet.
0: <laughs> the yet I loved. And so
1: that yet kept us going. It's like, not yet, but you know, in the next hour that call could come that's gonna be a game changer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and nothing yet is so much better than nothing.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, so much better. It always that little stringing out of hope.
0: <laughs> and yet, um, when you did call the answering service, you got some great news fast. I mean, you really burst onto the New York theater scene, had um, some amazing early successes. Tell us about some of those big ones. I mean, I, I remember, for example, reading about um, the 5th of July, and you talk about that, as your your first Tony Wynn although you'd done other theater stuff, of course, but before that time, right alongside Christopher Reeve playing a gay paraplegic, which was, you know, no small shakes back in 1980,
1: 81, I guess. Oh, yeah. It was the first time that a, a man had kissed another man on stage. Wow. He and Jeff Daniels. Um, and it, that was an amazing play by Lanford Wilson and... um yeah. But, you know, I, I love that you think my rise was quick. Uh, it was so to me, it took me so long because I did so many resident theaters outside of New York. I kind of worked my way toward New York and then finally got a job in New York. It took a long time. I, I'm a late bloomer. I'm still waiting for my big break.
0: <laughs> I, I read that in your book and I, that made me laugh. But I, I, I imagine a lot of actors, no matter how successful they are, um, think that way too. That must be sort of part of how your brain has to work or else yes, sort of Yes, to know. keep
1: you moving forward you know well, I've, I haven't done that I haven't done that I want to do that and yeah oh gosh I wish I'd I wish I'd gotten that role you
0: know? <laughs> We're talking to the great Susie Kurtz about her memoir Part Swan Part Goose um, you, you did in fact get terrific roles um, won several Tonys um, on on Broadway I, I love by the way your story about John Guare who was my college commencement speaker oh. gave the best commencement advice, any speaker ever did, he told us to never get a job. And I've sort of taken oh, that to wow. heart. But anyway, that's a whole different story. Uh-huh. Um, when you transitioned to TV, that was at a period before actors from stage were really going to TV. Were you? Mm-hmm. Did you feel that that was a risk? Why did you make that choice? I want to talk to you about Mary as well as about oh, Love, yes. Sydney, of course.
1: Yeah, back in those days, uh, oh, nobody wanted to do a TV series. That was a real step down and you know, especially us New York theater elitists. Of course, we were working for, you know, enough bread and water to get us through eight performances a week. Um, but it, it, it just, oh, a television series. That was really looked. Now, you know, huge movie stars. Everybody wants to do a television series uh, and they're plum jobs. But back then, yeah, when I signed up to do Mary and Love Sydney, it was a different time.
0: And I love how you write in your book how Mary was going to be a sure thing, it, you know, to the extent to which those things, yeah. anything could be a sure thing. Tell us about Mary, because I think folks would be shocked to, to hear, A, what it was, and B, who was in it with you.
1: I'm still shocked. It, <laughs> it was an hour variety show that Mary Tyler Moore decided to do after her big, you know, MTM show. And um, there was singing, dancing sketches. It was a sort of a precursor to SNL. Um, and the cast was Mary, David Letterman. Michael Keaton, Dick Sean, and me, and uh, we we did sketches. We did, but some really appalling things, <laughs> like the Rat Musical, in which we were all in huge rat costumes with big long tails coming out of cages and singing and dancing. <laughs> and there's one if you want to if you want to go to YouTube. Oh, uh, uh, we did. Oh, you did! And we're
0: gonna go out on the interview later oh, oh, on that song. Oh, oh no. yeah! <laughs> with Le- Letterman singing with you, yeah. Oh, yes.
1: Just you know, it's one of those things in your career that you go. You know, I'm thrilled that I was a part of it, but it really wasn't working. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no such thing as a sure thing, I guess. No, no. Well, and I remember when 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 I first saw you on TV, I was a kid, and I.